finish at 11 or half past? Mm, the hard decision right now. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Holy Ghost. Now, I'll, I'll share something. I've had something the Lord put on my heart, and I'll just share, I'll just, just speak it and share it and talk to you because I think it'll help. I think it'll help many people, especially at a time like this. And uh, there's great joy because we sense new things, but new things also means change. And when this cha change is, is not easy for anyone, I think everyone, we get attached to the familiar. And, and I would think that in this last season, um, I would have struggled probably more than I've struggled in almost any other time. And the struggle is over relationships, and the struggle is over holding relationship or maintaining an attitude of love when people disconnect. You know, uh, this is a huge challenge. And so I want to share just around that area. The biggest problem in the world is disconnection. It is the biggest uh, problem. It causes the greatest pain. It causes sorrow, suffering. And, and connection is the biggest challenge in the world. You know, you can see everywhere in the world with the internet and, and Facebook and so on, people are wanting to connect, and yet the level of connection is seldom at a heart level. It's very superficial. And all of us want to be connected to, loved and understood at a heart level. And so when you have connections and they break, that's very painful. And there's no way you can really resolve the pain. You've got to just journey through and let God comfort you in it and, and make a decision how you will respond. You make a decision what you will do when people draw back from you or they react or they make decisions which are difficult to understand. And we've all experienced that. And the thing uh, in, in Luke 19, it says uh, of Jesus in Luke chapter 19, it says in Luke 19, 10, he says, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So you need to understand the heart of God is this. Sometimes you use the word love and we don't get it to understand it. Love seeks connection. Love always tries to connect at a heart level. And so it says that Jesus came to seek out and to save what was broken, damaged, and lost and violently opposed to him. He came to seek it out and to act redemptively towards it. So you've got to understand if you're walking in love, let me just say it and really and summarize it really in a very simple thing. If you walk in love, you will seek to connect. And you'll seek to act redemptively, meaning to act in a way that would help the other person come up to their potential in God. Not control them, manipulate them, or do anything like that. That's what you do. And so I want to read with you just a scripture, and I want to share three key things just out of this, um, or two, perhaps two key things. Uh, it's found in Genesis chapter 3. Let me just read it. You know the story in Genesis chapter 3. But I want to just read it so I've got the scripture in front of us. And then you'll, I want to show you a couple of things in it that perhaps you haven't seen. It says in verse 7, Then the eyes of them both were opened, that's Adam and Eve. They knew they were naked, and they sewed fig trees together and made themselves coverings. Now look at this. They heard the voice, the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God and the trees in the garden. And the Lord God called Adam and said, Where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten the fruit of the tree that I come out and you not eat? And he said, The man said, Well, it's the woman you gave me. Well, she gave me of the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord said to the woman, what have you done? He said, well, don't look at me. The, the woman deceived me, the, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And then God began to speak to the serpent. 
I want to share with you just uh, three things out of that passage that um, I felt God has been just talking to me about and, and I found it helpful. Uh, and here's the first one. The first part of it is God has designed us for connection. And it's very clear from this passage that God had a habit every day of coming into the garden and talking to Adam and Eve. Isn't that interesting? A daily habit of talking to the man he designed. That must mean that God wants to meet and connect with us on a daily basis. That we're designed for that. We're designed for connection. And notice that God initiated that connection. He came in the garden. They heard him coming. They didn't go seeking him. He came to them. This is the nature of God, love. Love, and here's the first point, that love will always seek to connect. Now, I'll come back to that in a moment because I want to show you that fear will always cause you to disconnect. When fear drives you, you will disconnect. Uh, you notice and said in verse 10, I was afraid... And what was he afraid of? He was afraid of being judged. He was afraid of being punished. He was afraid of being rejected. And when fear of being judged or punished or rejected or not wanted, not liked or hurt by someone, when, when that fear comes around us, the, the natural tendency is to do these three things. Number one, to try and punish people, try and get back at them before they can get back at me. Notice the first thing that Adam did was he stopped talking to God. In marriages, often when there's a conflict, rather than make the commitment to connect, one will say, um, they just stop talking. And when someone stops talking, they're really actually punishing the other person. So quite often when fear drives people, they will seek to punish or make someone pay. I'll make you pay. And they may not consciously think it because this is a subconscious thing. This is something when fear drives you, you will do things that create hurt to other people. Think about that. Here's the second thing is that when fear drives us, we will tend to run away from connection and isolate. When fear controls us, we will tend to move away from connecting and isolating. You, you think about that. Fear of any kind will cause you to hide, avoid, distract, or just disconnect. So think about this. When love is moving you, you will move to connect. When fear or anything related to that, fear of pain, fear of being hurt again, when that drives you, you will move away from that. You will disconnect. So the challenge for all of us is, are we moving in love to connect or are we moving in fear to disconnect? Now, every person who faces someone disconnecting from them can make a decision to punish them by not talking to them or make a decision to move in love and attempt to connect. Uh, you notice three things that when, what fear will cause. One, it will seek us to part. It will try and punish others. Second, we'll run away from them. Third, we'll try and control them. Now, this is a really sad thing. God, love never controls anyone. So in other words, love will give you free will even if you make a mess of what you decide. But love will always release you to make a free decision. Fear will try to control you by manipulating with you pressure or demands or threats or whatever, so you do what you didn't really want to do. You feel under pressure. There is a lot of that going on at the moment. And you've got to understand and see it for what it is. It's just control rooted in fear or offense or some kind of thing like that. And so uh, fear is, is kind of like a victim in town. And now if you notice with Adam... Notice his statement, the woman you gave me. You see him blaming, 
accusing, acting like a victim, not owning any responsibility in his communication. I'll show you what God does or how God treats. I want to show you in a conversation how you can handle these things. So the first thing to see then is fear will cause people to disconnect every time. Fear's a problem. Love will always try to connect. So what did God do in this passage? First of all, you see God sought to connect. He came to talk to Adam. Did he know Adam had blown it? Yes, he did. Did he know where Adam was physically? Yes, he did. What he was demonstrating, that in spite of us blowing it, he is still loving and will seek to connect. That's why God sent his son into the world. Love, God so loved the world, he sent his son. Why? He wanted to connect to us. Love will always seek to connect and act redemptively. Help the person come to their senses and take responsibility. And so he notice how he handled it. And this is how, how love operates in seeking to connect. First, he initiated the contact. Secondly, he asked questions. If you want to connect with people, you need to ask questions to find where they're at. Where are you is a relational question. What is happening in your life? What is happening in your heart? Where are you in our relationship? And so the third thing God did was he listened very carefully. If you want to build connection, you have to listen. Your goal is to understand them, but they, almost, they also must understand you. It's not a one-way street if you want a proper connection. And so he, uh, he sought to understand them. So you'll notice, and I'll go and show you what he did. You'll notice that God asked questions to let Adam step up and take responsibility to reveal himself in relationship. And when Adam refused to, there were consequences of that. Because relationship can never be two, and one side has to be two-sided. And here's the, th the fourth thing he did. He challenged Adam to be responsible. So here's what he said. Here's how he did it. He said, Adam, did you eat of the tree, the fruit of the tree I told you not to eat from? That is a question to establish responsibility. It's about, have you behaved in this way? And the answer is, yes and I'm in pain, can you help me? In other words, if Adam had become vulnerable, God could have then reconciled him and restored him. But Adam did not. Adam actually did something in the relationship that caused even a more severe breach than the original sin. Uh, getting the idea? Oh, we're quiet on this one. Okay, then. so here's the, here's, here's the next thing, see? So sin and fear will always lead to disconnection, Love will always need to connection. But now I want you to see this. See how God did it. He approached him, took the initiative. He approached with love. He sought to ask questions. He sought to understand them. And then he sought to establish responsibility. Now, this is a key point. When Adam failed to be responsible, God set a boundary. So love not only seeks to connect, love will also set boundaries. You cannot have relationships with people that disrespect you. You cannot build a close relationship or a safe relationship with someone who will not treat you with respect, but will talk to you in a way that is disrespectful to you or of others in your presence. That's disrespectful to you. If someone is my friend and someone else comes and talks about them behind my back, they're being disrespectful to me because that's my friend. And I have to set a boundary. I don't have to accept such behavior, and neither should I. God doesn't. If God doesn't, why should I? This will help you this next part. 
So notice what God said in, in, uh, in bound, first thing about a boundary. Boundary is very simply, I'm establishing, this is what I'm responsible for, that's what you're responsible for. Now here's what you are responsible for. You are responsible for your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, your attitudes, the choices you make. You're responsible for all of those things. I am not responsible for them. I'm responsible for my feelings, thoughts, and actions, and attitudes, and how I respond. And I'm also responsible in a relationship to share those with you. If I conceal them, I'm not being responsible. If I hope somehow you'll know what I need, but I don't tell you, I'm not being responsible. If I hope somehow magically, you'd be amazed. You go to a, people get sick, they go to the doctor and tell them what's wrong. Get a dental problem, they go to the dentist, they make an appointment and tell them what's wrong. You have a problem in church, people just go away and wonder why the pastor didn't know what was wrong. That's crazy. It's absolute foolish. It's actually called irresponsibility. If you have an issue, you have a need, you have some feeling, some struggle, some difficulty, it is your responsibility to communicate it, not someone else's to discover it. Think about that. This is all about ownership. And this is one of the things that God is wanting to teach us for this coming season that we're in. This is very, very important. Now, I want you to see what God did. He said, who told you, have you eaten? And he said, well, the woman you gave me. Now, notice what he has done in that. God was giving him an opportunity to own up and be responsible for the part he played in the breach in relationship. Here's the part he played. He didn't speak up and tell Eve not to do it. He didn't speak up and protect Eve, and he did participate with her in it, and he is held responsible for his actions. So notice now what happens. I want you to see that God gave him a responsibility. He gave him an opportunity to front up, be responsible, and if he had done that, the relationship could have become reconnected. If a person won't take responsibility for their life, you cannot build a connection with them. And so God will always move towards people seeking to establish the connection and give you opportunity to become responsible, but he'll never boss you around. Control is evil. He will call you to act in the relationship as a responsible adult by owning up to your stuff and bringing it to him. So like if God comes to you and the Holy Spirit says, what you did there was wrong. And you say, well, Lord, I'm so sorry I did wrong. Well, there was that attitude. Show me what was under it. Help me now. To... now that, that is no problem to God. That enables you to reconnect. That's why the Bible says if we walk in the light, meaning we're transparent about who we are and what we do, then we have fellowship or we maintain relationships that are intimate and the blood of Christ is continually cleansing us. The opposite is also true. If I conceal my life and won't own up responsibility, I will be disconnected, I will be in darkness, and there'll be no cleansing available for me. I'll become uh, in a place of religious deception. Now, I want you to see something, how God responded. God refused to let Adam disrespect him. Now, how did he do that? I want you to look, look at the conversation. I want you to notice something here. God said, where are you? And he said, I, was in the vo- and I, was, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. I heard myself. He said, who, now here it is. Who told you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of the, which I commanded you not to eat? And then the man said, the woman you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what did God do? He stopped talking to Adam. He stopped talking to him. 
How about that? God stops talking to you, you're in trouble. Because what's going to come next? He's setting a boundary. Now you notice when he stopped talking, he, he was talking to him until Adam falsely accused him. And the moment Adam falsely accused him, you gave me this woman, actually this is your fault. Notice it wasn't a clear, this is all your fault, not mine. It's kind of like a hint. You know, all, all, all about the tree? Yeah, yeah, that woman. Uh, you, by the way, you gave her to me. Now, notice he never said it directly, but in his conversation, instead of owning up, he implied God was to blame. At that point, God said, you are disrespecting me. Our conversation is over. I am now calling you to account for your behavior. You will now face the consequences. He put a boundary up. We have to learn to be able to do that as well. It's quite simple to do. So number one, he stopped talking. Number two, he required him to be responsible for his behavior, and he set a boundary. He actually sent him out of the garden. He said, guys, this garden was a place where we would meet and be intimate and have friendship. You failed, and then after you failed, you then refused to be responsible, and you blamed me. You can't be in my garden. You can't be in my world. You can't be in my circle of trust because you are violating and disrespecting me and I will not let that take place. Isn't that interesting? God respects or values or honors himself enough that he couldn't put a boundary up and stop you disrespecting him. So don't think love is all wishy and, and it's all woolly and it all just loves and accepts. and It does all of those things, but it also sets boundary. Think about it. When, Adam, when Peter spoke and spoke by revelation, Jesus said, man, that's fantastic getting revelation from heaven. When, when he talked about the cross and Peter said, man, don't no cross, no cross. We want cross is going to mess up our lives. We've got a plan, you know, we're doing well. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. In other words, he put a boundary. He refused in the conversation to let him say things that would be hurtful or offensive to his plan, his purpose, his call. In other words, what he said is, I know who I am and where I'm going, and I won't let people treat me with disrespect over this. That's quite an interesting thing, isn't it? I know we're all thinking about this. I've been thinking about it as I've been doing it. So how are we going to handle some negative conversations? Because everyone had a few of them come. Let me give you a few tips, and then we'll finish up, and then we want to speak words which will bring life to people. So here's the thing. In 1 Corinthians 15:33, it says, Don't be deceived. Evil communications corrupt good habits. Now here's you've got to understand this. If you talk to people and the communication is, is evil, it will corrupt your life. So we have to guard our communications and guard how people talk and relate to us. Uh, let me give you a simple advantage. How many have ever had their, their computer get a virus? Did you see it coming? Did it kind of come up on the screen? Caution, virus about to come down. Get ready. I'm about to destroy your computer. Did you see that? You didn't see that at all. What did you see? Probably you saw an email with an attachment. You clicked and opened the attachment and kazunka. Something is unleashed in your computer. You lose information. It corrupts. It can actually destroy the whole computer. It's not able to function. That's when you go to Andrew because Andrew knows what to do. I get these things on my computer every while. Here's the point. That it's through the venue of communication that the virus comes in and destroys the computer. And the key part is you never see it coming, but it does its work. You can't say to the virus, because I didn't see you, you're not going to do anything. Now, take a look then at communications with people. Jesus said, the words I speak are spirit and life. 
And so in Proverbs it says, in Proverbs 29, uh, be careful because the words that we speak, there's death and life in them. So when people speak to you, there's either death in it or life in it. So when you're spoken to, you want to come alive and feel refreshed or you feel deadened and injured in some way. Now, when people come to you with a story, the story they bring carries with it also something in their heart. Remember, most communications, only about 30% is verbal. The rest is nonverbal. It's what they carry in the spirit. But here's the thing. When you talk with someone, you will always not just get their message. You'll get the slant they put on the message plus the attitude they carry. You will walk away with the virus. If someone comes to you and they are offended, you will walk away offended as well. If someone comes to you, they're angry, and you're still talking with them and listen to them, in a very short while, you'll start to feel angry as well. You won't even know why you're angry. You'll just feel angry because you took on board the virus. You took on board what the message was laden with, and it was destructive. If someone is bitter, very soon, you'll pick it up, and you'll feel it. Now, here's the first law of communication. When someone comes to you, first one to come to you tells you their version of the story. How many know that with the kids? Mommy, he did this, he did this, he was so mean, he did this. And then you go and you, you think, oh, 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 I need to deal with that. Then you go there and you listen to the other one. Oh, oh you didn't tell me that you hit him first. <laughs> Why did you neglect that important piece of information that gave a, a better picture of the whole communication? So you've got to understand it is the nature of people, just think of children, no matter who it is, when they tell you their story, they add into it what will help their case. They remove from it what will uh, erode their case. They make sure that you pick their version, and therefore the goal is to get you to take sides. It says, he that's first in his own cause seems right. It appears right until you take... If a wise person will say, well, thank you, that's, that's interesting. I'll go and talk to the other person. And when the neighbour comes and searches them out, then you find it's a different story altogether. How many found that? How many of you actually know that happens? Okay, it's absolutely so, but we keep falling into it over and over and over. Someone comes, and they're laden with a virus. And you can usually tell someone's laden with a virus. It comes in a certain way, and uh, here's how it comes. Have you heard? Think, oh, my God, what am I going to hear now? You know, I, no, I haven't heard. <laughs> I don't know that I want to hear either. Did you know? Is it? Yeah, that's all good. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What do you think about so-and-so? That's a real dangerous one because that's pulling you out. And if you've got anything, next thing, it's an all-on it's an all thing. He says, well, don't pass this on, but... <laughs> now, listen, now, I want you to keep this confidential. And don't tell anyone. That's a sure sign something's about to just get downloaded into you. You have to get some kind of poison into you. <laughs> Think about it, eh? It is, I can't believe this. And that just draws you in. <laughs> well, it's not fair. It's not right. Well, I just really disagree with this. Now, all of those things are indirect communications designed to draw you into a virus download. You have to learn to manage it. You just have to learn to manage it. And it's not the people... You know, some people are really actively tailbearers. Here's what the Bible says about a tailbearer. A tailbearer or a whisperer separates friendships. 
And one of the most painful things I have found is friendships breached by people saying things that are not entirely true. If something's not entirely true, it's a lie because it misrepresents what the truth is. Understand that? And one of the dilemmas you have as a believer is as many times you have to learn to just stand and let God sort it out and you don't have a voice because if you get a voice and start arguing, it, it creates a fight. So how do you handle these kind of things? Let me give you the simple thing, then we finish up the meeting. I just think it's really helpful. So someone comes and they doubt, start to download those kind of things. Here's how you deal with it. And you may never have thought, there's a number of approaches, I suppose, but here's, here's some I thought of. I love you, I really want to understand your heart and your needs, but I'm comfortable with the negative direction this conversation is taking. Please stop now. Stop. I'm uncomfortable with the direction this conversation is taking. I really do want to listen to you and understand what your needs are, but I'm not willing to put up with this kind of negative talk. That's how you do it. You could do that. You could do that. It's just quite simple. Please stop the negative talk or this conversation is ended now. That's called a boundary. And that's the most loving thing you can do to do that. It's loving because you respect yourself and you love yourself, and God tells us to love our neighbours as ourselves. You love yourself enough to stop viruses coming down. And two, it's loving because you're telling the person this kind of behaviour is not acceptable, you're better than that. Quite simple, I'll do it again. <laughs> I love you, I really want to understand your need. However, I'm comfortable with the direction this conversation is taking, please stop now. Quite simple, isn't it, eh? Stop this talk, otherwise the conversation is ended. Walk away. Now what does that person think? Do they get upset? Help, yes. They get highly upset. But you know what? Next time they won't download to you. And the thing is, why would you try to hold a relationship which is destructive? God didn't. He actually put a boundary. He said, guys, you can't live in my intimate space. You can't live in my garden. You have to understand that kind of behavior I don't accept. Now, he notice he didn't blame them. He didn't try to uh, manipulate them. He didn't try and control them. He just said, guys, if that's how you want to do it, then this is what I'm doing. I'm putting a boundary around my garden, and you can't live in my garden. You can't live in my circle of trust. You can't get that close to me. I won't let you come near to me and treat me that way where you're blaming me for your mistakes. Think about that. How about that? So there's sorts of things you could say um, to people who are like that. You can just say, uh, have you checked those facts? Or are you just carrying a story? Have you checked those facts? Or here's another one. Have you actually spoken to that person you're talking about? Have you actually addressed them with the issue that you're telling me about? Or Matthew 18 says to go to them. Why are you coming to me when God tells you to go to someone else? Listen, love is to it. You don't want to love Jesus. You obey his commands. He says just go to the person. Please go to the person. Do it quickly. These are ways that you can handle it, see? And then make a strong position about your a statement about your own position. That's a real help too. Well, listen, please stop. I'm uncomfortable with the direction this is, coming, this is taking with this negative talk about so-and-so. Please stop now or the conversation is ended. Actually, they're my friend. I know them very well, and I have confidence in them, and I'm not willing to let anyone talk to me in that way. How about that? Now, that is love in action. 
And it, it may feel uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? Because we're so used to the other. But that is actually love in action. You've got to remember this. In Ephesians 4 verse 29, it says, Don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth. None. But whatever is useful to edify people, now notice this, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. If we want to live, walk, and flow with the Holy Ghost, you've got to stop negative communications. Firstly, out of your own mouth, and secondly, you stop it happening in front of you because it'll get in you, and then the listener becomes the messenger. And this is how it works. If you go back into the Old Testament, Elijah never saw or met. There's no record he met Jezebel. Jezebel represents a spiritual power. But it was the man who came representing that spirit, defiled by the message, he listened to that, and very soon he's starting to repeat the same thing. So if you listen to junk, you will then become the messenger of junk. You've actually got to confront it. If it's nothing to do with you, then they should go to the person it's concerned with. And either way, you make a decision whether you love yourself enough to prevent your life being violated and you treated with disrespect. Think about it. I saw someone just uh, wrote something the other day that really challenged me. And, and this is what they said. I'm not worried what that person said to you. I'm really wondering what they saw in you that made them think they could tell you that. Boy, that's a challenge, isn't it, eh? I'll say that one again. I'm not worried what they said. I'm really wondering what it is they saw in you that made them think they could talk to you in that way. Because now our relationship is being breached that you could listen to stuff like that. So this is interesting stuff, isn't it, eh? Words have power. So in Genesis, here's the thing. Love connects, fear disconnects, and love also not only connects, welcomes, and acts redemptively, love will also set boundaries and require people to be accountable and responsible for what they have done by building a boundary that keeps the person out of intimate relationship until they own their stuff and decide to repent and change. So have a think about that. Don't let anyone play the victim on you. Poor me. Don't let anyone get into the blame game. Just stop straight away. Say stop right away. I love you. I want to help you if you'll tell me what you really need. But I'm not comfortable with the direction this conversation is taking. If you continue, I will be leaving it. The conversation is over. Isn't that one of the simplest keys? How many would have been helped if they'd known that a while ago? <laughs> Or if there's a direct attack you, upon you, upon you yourself, then you just put your hand up in front of them like that and say, stop. I'm not willing to hear what you have to say, whether it's true or not, because my heart can't take the way you're delivering that message to me. Amen? Words have life. Words have death. The words of God have blessing and life. Amen. Come on, let's get our team up to the stage again. I'd love us to flow into that song. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Let's make a decision how we're going to handle stuff that comes. Have a think about it. I encourage you to go through the message. I encourage you to get the notes on it. I encourage you to have a look and work it out. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to stand out. Why don't we just worship and make the Holy Spirit welcome? If you've listened to words that are corrupt and negative that hurt you, why don't you just repent of them now? Just ask God to forgive you, letting them rest on you. If it's affected your heart, if you have questions, you need to go to the person concerned and work it out there. 
But why don't we make the Holy Spirit welcome? And there's people here today, and you say, well, words have really hurt me. I'm really feeling like the dry bones. I want you to make your way up the front because the anointing's coming in this place fresh today to bring life, to bring release. We're going to speak and release life over you. We've got plenty of Holy Ghost anointed people here today can lay hands on you and minister the life of God. Why don't we do that right now? Come on, I believe there's a lot of people want to come up today. A lot of people want to come and let the Holy Spirit come over them. Kim, yes, you're welcome here. Oh, come on, folks. Come on, let's open our hearts. Let's let the Spirit of God come on us. Yes.